Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm pretty good. You don't sound good. Oh, I sound great. Oh, you're talking oh, you sound, about. You sound, you sound great. <laughs> yeah, no, mm-hmm. I had a, my little girl brought home a, a cold, and for some reason, out of the 20 that she's brought home since the beginning of the school year, this is the first one I got. You were just on the very beginning edge of this last week. Yeah. And now it's, it's taking its uh, final form. Yeah, it went in there. It got messed around, screwed everything up. And now it's now, you know, I'm not I'm not coughing and hacking anymore, which is good. Oh, you were hacking? Oh, it was a mess. It was a mess. Ugh, that's know. not good. I'm sorry. Eh. You know what? It happened. Yeah. You know? Throws everything off. Um, as I was, how are you? You sound great. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm having some of my uh, my uh, gu- guaisana. It's not tea. It's guaisana. What is guayusa? Guayusa. Guayusa. I never remember the name of it. It's uh, Guillermo. It's, it's, Guillermo? it's, uh, it's a, a tea like drink uh, of Amazon warriors. Really? I think so. I mean, you can put, you can print anything on a box. I don't think that there is an authority out there that is vetting the material on the back of a box of tea-like substance. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, but as I was getting into the office, I noticed the renovation people next door appeared to be taking in what looks like a very, very large generator or one of those poundy air things. So this might be an eventful episode. Okay. But you know, I'm a pro. I can, I can fly with that. Yeah. We did not talk uh, about this episode. I have not kept up with you. I'm guessing that owing to your sickness, you have not done your Hue lights yet. <laughs> no, it seems like the universe just doesn't want, want me to. It's funny. We had a our scheduled biannual. Uh, no, wait. Does biannual mean every other year or twice per year? I stopped saying it because I never get it right. Every other year? Okay. Uh, every, you know what they say in English? Say every alternate year. Okay, what what do you say then if it's twice a year? Oh, Every, twice yearly? Twice yearly. It's not nearly as, it doesn't sound nearly <laughs> as good, but it's one of those things like inflammable. It's so easy to get wrong. You kind of don't want to get it wrong. It's so flammable. It's inflammable. <laughs> I grew up thinking that, man, it won't catch on fire. And it literally means catches on fire. It's the opposite. No, I wait, you're, you're, you're teaching me now. It doesn't, I thought inflammable meant it couldn't burn. At some point, I want to say in the 90s, uh, flammable and inflammable. Well, yeah. So what happened was for years you would say, Hey, be careful because, uh, these pajamas are inflammable or they would just say these pajamas are inflammable. <laughs> right. You want to wear the cool. my safe kid, ones. My kid is immune from fire. I have cast a spell <laughs> of inflammable. Uh, and then I think finally they kind of gritted their teeth and said, look, we know that flammable is not really a word. <laughs> I might be, I mean, I think it's a word now. It's in, you know, but inflammable is the correct, like Latinate word, but it sounds like the opposite of what it is. So they had to stop using it. It's like, it's like saying something is bulletproof when it's actually incredibly easy to fill with shooting bullets. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, it's in bulletable. Well, stupidly. <laughs> and anyway, the, the the air conditioning guy was there to do the routine maintenance that we have done twice a year. Oh, of course. And uh, he was, you know, I've been talking to my wife about the the lights. I've been talking to her about thermostats and things like that. And he said, you know, he's like, you guys have kind of an older thermostat. He said, you can. I'm not trying to. He said, I'm not trying to sell you on uh, on on getting a new one. And you could, in fact, if you want one, I can tell you how to get it on Amazon cheap. He's like, you know, but. 
you could upgrade. They have some really cool new ones. They're Wi-Fi. They do this, that, and the other thing. And my wife's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds interesting. He's like, yeah, they're, they're totally integrated with everything. He's, and I said, uh, I said, well, you know, we, we've got a, a, an Amazon uh, Echo. And he says, oh, it works with that. Or, he's like, do you have the Hue lights? works with the Hue lights. I love the Hue lights. The Hue lights, yeah. And he starts really upselling them. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, when I get home, I, it knows that I'm getting home. And it automatically does stuff with the lights and, you know, puts the thing on. And my girlfriend, when she gets home, it does a different thing. And. My wife is still, she's like, mm, okay, yeah. And he's and, and I said, what do you think of the Nest? And he says, oh, the Nest, that's the worst. He's like, I, you, he's like people don't. People say that. Tell me, tell me why people say that. Well, he said, first of all, he said, you can't get it in your house at all because you're, and he gave me a, a technical reason of some kind of wiring that we have that would, is the kind that, well, I remember hearing other people say they couldn't get it because they had this kind of wiring, which is yeah, all the yeah, good. I, mean, I think you because, have to have super modern wiring for it to work. I don't want it anyway. Yeah, I know. I understand. But but he said he didn't like it because he said, he's like, I would get home and it'd be 78 degrees in my house. I never put it to 78 degrees. I don't want it doing that. You know, he's like, it, it's earliest... making decisions for me. I don't like that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't followed this closely, but it seems like when it first came out, because I knew immediately we couldn't put it in our house. We basically, we, basically, we, we live in a tumble down shack. So <laughs> we, can't, we can't have things in our house. Um, but uh, I feel like I remember people like Marco saying, uh, there's a part they came to really like, which is the, uh, you know, being able to control it part. The yeah. part that the part that I think was working in unexpected ways for people was the learning algorithm, where it basically detects like when people are in rooms and it tries to guess how you live. Right. I don't know if that's accurate, but that was my understanding of it. And almost it seems like a lot of people. I'm sure it depends heavily on so many things. How many people? How many rooms? how much regularity there is, uh, that that part was really falling short for people. We had a thermostat in the mid-90s when I was, it was even kind of a, a gadget dork in the 90s. And uh, we had a, I want to say it was just a Honeywell, but it was a digital thermostat that was really, that did one thing that was really cool, where you could just basically set uh, temperature on and time off per weekday and per weekend. And I, that was that was plenty enough for me. So I could basically say, you know, keep the keep the keep it at whatever sixty five or whatever overnight, and then bring it up to sixty eight or seventy like a half hour before we wake up. And then we all, you know, we leave the house to go to work at the same time, so don't have that running all day. You know, that's not as clever, but that actually that actually worked pretty well for the years we had it. But I think you're identifying a pattern that applies to a lot of this stuff, which is. I mean, setting aside the part we've covered ad nauseum, which is that setting it up and administering these things is still not, it's pretty dorky. It, it is very dorky. It's very easy. If you start getting into things like if this, then that, plus there's all varieties of different things you can automate through the Hue apps, through the third-party apps. You can unintentionally find yourself setting up a pretty rickety system where commands step on each other. And I've done that with things like turn these lights on when you detect motion, but like I don't want that to be during the day. And eh. but I think the pattern you're identifying is really true, which is that these things get sold or vended on the promise of you just put this thing in and then a bunch of amazing stuff happens and you're living in that Bill Gates house we all heard about. Remember back in the day hearing about Bill Gates' yeah, house? It had all of this stuff, you know, a million years ago. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's correct, but I remember, I remember hearing. I, I, this might be a fever dream, but I feel like you know it learns like this visitor in the house likes this kind of music when they walk down the hallway and stuff like that, or the paintings can change and stuff. It sounds like the haunted mansion, but um, and you hear that and you go like, wow, that that sounds really cool. But the way that it's implemented right now is uh, either kind of difficult, incomplete, not totally dependable. And I'm not, I'm not saying not to do it, but just as a cautionary tale, if you get frustrated like I did, like like we said again numerous times, getting that tap switch helped a lot. But I think the the coolest use I have right now is so the tap switch makes it really easy. Like when I wake up in the morning, you know, you can just you can turn on these lights in this configuration in this room. You can do much more sophisticated stuff. But like th- then you're not too far off from like accidentally turning off the lights when somebody's in the bathroom or something. Like right. you don't want to get into that situation. No. But um. But it is kind of cool to be able to do things like, say, depending. So, so you 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 know about this with your Echo, where you kind of have to learn how it thinks. It's it's way smarter than Siri, but it's also a little bit like a light version of the terminal, where you have to learn what things are called, especially if you get into what are called skills. And skills are third party things that you can add on. And so, you know, you have to let me look at some of my skills here. I mean, the basic the basic stuff works by just saying, you know, hey, dingus, what time is it? Hey, dingus, oh, when's my next appointment? It does stuff like that really well. But um, for example, I'm looking here under control. Like you, if you name things in a canny way, one of the examples they give here is you can say, turn on Energize in the living room. And there's a typo in that, but that's okay. You say, turn on Energize. And that means you have an area of lights called the living room. And you have what's called a scene that you've named Energize. And so you can you can do that through your Echo, and it, that actually works pretty darn well. That to me is very handy. I picked up now that they're really super cheap. I cu- picked up a couple more of the little dots, and they and now across the product line, they have a pretty improved ability to not fire off more than one at once. So it uses proximity of how close, like which one, did, it'll hear it on any one that it can hear it on, mm-hmm. but then it interprets where it's most clearly coming from. Do you follow? Yeah, I think so. Well, so we've got one in the hallway and we've got one in the bedroom. And if I'm standing, you know, right between them, uh, it won't fire off both of them. It'll fire off one of them, depending on which one it thinks I'm closest to. Ingenious. So that it's pretty smart and it's pretty good because each one of these, the mics on these are, are pretty good. Um, so that's actually, that's actually kind of handy. Um, but I don't know. It's still got a ways to go. And there's stuff that seems like really... Dan Moran's written a lot about this. He's the probably one of the biggest Echo nerds I know. And, you know, it's there's some stuff that seems really simple that's not as simple as you might like. It doesn't always very dependably understand concepts like sunrise and sunset. Um, and when you try to couple that with different kinds of automations, it gets kind of confused. So there are ways to do like an IFTTT where you hook it up to the weather dingus to say the weather dingus knows what sunrise and sunset is. So you could say at sunrise, turn on these lights. Well, well, do you want the, do you want that to always work that way? Even when you're not at home, tie that in now with your thermostat and it's getting, you know, kind of weird. So I hope you feel better soon. Oh, thanks. You mean like during the show? Yeah. I mean, I hope I can boo you. Do you use it to, do you set the volume? Do you ever do that? Do I set the, yeah, I set the volume on everything. Because it's kind of cool. You can say, you know, hey, dingus, volume eight. Yeah, so that's all pretty cool. And we'll follow up when you do it. It's no rush. Yeah, um, I'll get it done. I'll get it done eventually. Have you installed a call blocking app yet? 
You say you got, did you get Haya? Yeah, I got the Haya one. Is it working for you? It it seemed like it was working w- better a little while ago, and then the call sort of stopped, so. I think this thing is still not fixed. I got 10.1. The official 10.1 came out yesterday, and I went through the whole rain dance. And I, I, I'm reluctant to blame this on Haya, because I know it's a known, has been a known issue, but I can't get this thing to work dependably at all. I'm waiting for that privacy star is going to be coming out. That looks really cool. But it seems to be a basic problem with you can't have more than one call blocking app even on your device. Oh, you can't have two at all. You can't even install a second one. The tip I got from the Haya Twitter account, and I don't I haven't there's actually fairly little information about this stuff out there. But my understanding was that the one thing to check for is make sure like, cause you know how it is. You, you're, you're, you're nerding out and you go and you download four of these apps. A- according to the Hiya Twitter account, if you even have more than one of those on your phone, whether or not it is active, you can't have more than one active. But even having more than one of them on your phone can confuse your phone. And I'm not even sure what qualifies as one of those. Like, yeah. I think Google Voice doesn't interfere with it because it doesn't do that. But yeah, I've gotten to work a couple times and then it just doesn't work. I've still never gotten a call that it identified at the time of the call as a nuisance call. It's only after I copy it and paste it that it works. So they something's still have really, really scaled back for me. Of course, now I'll hang up uh, with you and we'll finish the show and I'll get 10 in a row. But the call, the calls have slowed the, down. Yeah, they've really slowed down and I don't know why. I don't either. Well, there was a story that went around last week about, uh, I guess, like a raid at a, at a place <laughs> in, in, in India oh, where a ton of these were coming from. <laughs> And that might be part of it, but yeah, I don't know why it does seem to kind of come in waves and I don't know why. I don't know why either. I always assume that it's because I've signed up for something or bought something recently, Uh, but donate to a political candidate, buddy. (laughs) Oh my God, man. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh boy. It's California. We're not swing votes. Stop. Um, (laughs) I don't know if I invalidated my ballot yesterday. I had my daughter. Go ahead. You reminded me of of one I did get. Some woman calls me up and said, "Can we count on your vote on you know November six? Can we count on your?" <laughs> I laughed. I couldn't just not laugh. I laughed at her. I said, "No, you can't count on my vote." <laughs> what was without that? Regard, without regard to who the candidate is? No, they were specifying the candidate that they were interested in. Oh, uh, it was it was the other candidate. It was it. it <laughs> in my case, they're all the other candidate. But oh, no, because oh, you live in Texas. Sad. <laughs> Failing New York Times. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh god, I want it to be over so much. I'm so racked with anxiety. <laughs> oh, poor Max Temkin. He's losing it. He's just he's he's a. Is he going to be okay? I don't know, man. He's uh, he's very, very torn up about this. I mean, like he's like almost like physically sick. He's not sleeping. God. He's putting up. He's paying for billboards. It's unbelievable. I heard about that. Oh my god, it's so funny. He's upset. Um, yeah, he's upset. That's actually the word he uses. I'm very upset. <laughs> I fell on my keys. So anyway, that's the Amazon Echo. Uh, you know, I I'm not as well prepared as as previous weeks, but I I do have some. Uh, We've got some follow-up here from people. Is there anything you'd like to talk about at the top of the show, Dan? No. No, I think everything's good just as is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could just we could also just, you know, talk about whatever. We got some, we got a lot of nice notes from people. Not yeah, a lot. We did. No, we got, we got a, we did get a lot. Don't be modest. We got a lot. The, here's the other thing. Are you noticing less of the emails? Yeah, yeah. 
a lot Let's, less. I mean, at least on our account. I don't know what you get on all your other no, accounts. No, I mean, but. I the ones that were are specific to this show have cut way, way, way back. I'm thrilled. Yeah, I don't, I have no way of knowing without guessing why that is the way that it is. Maybe it's that uh, raid. Maybe it's all tied to that raid. It could be the Indian raid. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it is. Look that up. Indian phone raid. Yeah, Indian. I mean, they get in there to the Indians. These Huge are real Indians. Huge phone scam. Right? Huge phone scam targeting Americans leads to 700 being detained in India. Police in Mumbai. They went to a Mumbai, Mumbai call center. How do you feel about that spelling? How do you spell it? When people spell it like, uh, when they spell center, C-E-N-T-R-E. Oh, no, that bugs me. That bugs me. Anything like that bugs me a lot. It's like a Canadian U. Yeah, it's, I'm fine with a Canadian U. It's, but when they, when they do that, sentry? Centre. Hmm. Yeah, it seems a little fancy. It's, uh... And, and, and when you do it in America, you're, you, you, you're doing it to sound fancy. When you call your mall the, uh, the Santra, like, I think, I think you're, you're doing it just to sound fancy. That's my opinion on that. Yeah. I, well... I respect all cultures, Dan. Nobody respects other cultures more than I do. <laughs> I'm making that... I'm making that... I'm really getting good at his hand thing. Yeah. Or like the little... You, you kind of... You make sort of an okay symbol, but you're pointing up at the sky, and you kind of point, point back over your right shoulder. It's... I do... I do these three things. Like, right now, I'm, I'm holding... I'm making an okay with my fingers. Yeah. On my right hand, I'm making it okay, and my other three fingers are sort of just loose, and it looks like uh, I don't like like I'm holding a doobie a little bit, and you kind of <laughs> go back and forth with that a little bit. Then you pivot to the L, make the L. Now, curl in your three fingers and make a capital L. So so, and then you do that, and you gesture a little bit, Mm-mm. and then you do the full hand. I I can't even stop myself. So depressing. Uh, other bits of oh yeah, so we got we got nice uh, emails from people. Uh, I, I think I think in our in our um, I think we unintentionally were asking people to clap for us because people sent us a few nice emails just to say that they like the show. That's a very nice email. Did for we me. ask for that? I saw I, those too. I thought it was just happy happy customers. Well, I was being you know that guy about you know the oh big fan of the show have my author on. And I, I didn't mean to be talking for clapping as John Wayne says, mm. I, but it was very nice of people to do that. It's it, it never hurts to hear that people don't hate what you do. <laughs> I've found in my years of semi-public life, it's very nice when people tell you that they like what you do. It makes me very happy. Don't feel like you have to do that. I'm not talking for clapping. Do you ever hear that? I don't think I've heard that expression before. There's um, a wonderful cassette and then later CD that went around in the 90s called Celebrities at Their Worst. And it's all just hot mic stuff, it, uh, mostly. It's like, it's the, it's the source of the famous William Shatner. Uh, I think he's doing a voiceover for, like, for a video game. Okay. Sabotage the system. <laughs> Sabotage the system. And they go, good, Bill. What can we do it once more as uh, sabotage? He goes, that's not how I say it. I say sabotage. A sabotage. And then the famous line, which made it on The Simpsons, is he goes, uh, don't tell me how to do the line reading. It sickens me. <laughs> and you get an amazing one. I think we've done it on here. The one where Colonel Sanders is talking about, about how it's entirely different. It's entirely nude, entirely different chicken. Famous one, John Wayne doing the commencement address at Stanford in the late 60s. And I, I can't say because I wasn't there, but he's drunk. He's drunk as hell. 
And he's talking about these kids defecating in the wastebasket at the at the sit-in. You're like, oh. And then and then you hear this, like people start like kind of he's like, oh no, I quit. I'm not talking for clapping. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Anyway, go check it out. Celebrities at their worst. That's also with uh, the one where, where Orson Welles. Yeah, oh, that's that's classic. There's the Orson Welles wine one. Love that. I watched that. I showed that to my kid the other week. They oh, loved so it. good. They just loved it. And then you look at the finished product. Have you ever seen the final commercial, the finished product? The wine one where the two people are just looking at him while he talks? Yeah, but like the, the end result of that, the actual one that they wound up cutting into a real commercial. That we saw for years and years yeah, and years. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. It, lo- it looks great. It seems Paul totally Masson. fine. Paul Masson. Paul we'll Masson. We'll sell no wine before it's time. Last night, I introduced, two, two nights ago, I introduced my daughter to Number Wang. Are you familiar with is this that something thing? we... Oh, dear. Do we uh, want to talk about this or... This is really... Yeah, sure, sure. No, it's time for the talk. It's time for the Number Wang talk. Okay. There's a, a wonderful uh, a British comedy duo... A double act, as they say, uh, Mitchell and Webb. And they had a radio show. They had a TV show called they had That Mitchell and Webb Sound on BBC. They had That Mitchell and Webb Look. They also did a wonderful show, several series called uh, Peep Show. It's very good. Um, maybe later on we'll listen to a little bit of Number One. Okay. I think you can enjoy it. All right. If you say I so. I feel like I know your sense of humor a little bit. A little. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also heard from people who what are the things oh wait we had a fellow ask about the bullet journal i've never done the bullet journal i've never done the bullet journal so it, it seems looked, like a lot of work it seems like a lot of work <laughs> yeah it does I, I, and they do it in like that fast motion to show you how it works i'm like oh that that makes a lot of sense but seems like a lot of work i i'm not saying don't do it but like that's not like what i personally would be would be using that for well you know like i said i uh I'm still just still getting into the whole journaling thing. And I feel like the bullet journals like advanced, like to beyond what I'm ready to try. Bullet journal is a system. Yeah. That's what scares me. It's a little bit like task paper for paper where like different symbols mean things and you move things around and yeah, no, I know it works for a lot of people. I think one thing of like whether even if you're not like a an according to Hoyle ADHD dopamine lacking person, right? I, I've said this for years, but I really think that one thing that gets us, uh, especially geeky types, gets us involved and interested in doing something differently is to have a system around it. Like you know, for example, uh, not the Fitbit, Fitlink. Like when I used to go to the Y, they had this thing called Fitlink, and you had I think it was a little was it a little card or a number you'd punch into the machine and it would like track your results for you and you could see it on the web. I mean, turning into a little, like, for lack of a better word, a video game made it so much more fun for me to work out, where I'd get credit for it, basically. Right, sure. And I, I mean, that still holds today with my stupid fitness tracking devices. And then we got, we had asked, or I had asked, I had said, so, So, and this is the, I don't know if this is the last, but this is the third in our arc of, we, part one was, um, well, how to deal with the email follow-up people, right. email circle back people, like the yeah. people, especially strangers, but also people, you know, how do you deal with the people who are always bugging you about stuff? And, you know, we had some ideas and as you say, practical components for dealing with that. And then last week we took it and we turned it and we said, well, okay, but what if you're on the other end of that? Like, what if you are the person who needs or wants a response from people in whatever way and you're not getting it? And we talked a little about that. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards I said, well, you know, if this doesn't, uh, 
if this didn't answer your question or you feel like it's still like an unanswered thing, email us about that. Right. And, and we could talk about that. Would, would you be open to discussing that? Yeah, that would be fun. Okay, I got a few pieces of uh, response here. First of all, from listener Greg. This was just a comment, but I think a very good one. Listener Greg said, listen to your latest episode. A phrase came to mind that we say around where I work. We won't say people won't X, as in people won't respond to my email. People won't return my call. Instead, we will say, I haven't led people to respond to my email. Okay. Call me back. All right. Right? He's, he's changing it. He's, he's, he's reframing the problem in a way that I think is very sound. Instead of saying, this person is not doing what I want, you turn it to, for whatever reason, the way that I'm approaching this is not persuading this person to do what I want. Right. He's, he, is is, taking, he is taking the, the full brunt of the responsibility onto himself. That's right. He says here, it changes the onus from the recipient to the communicator and forces me to focus on what I can control. Isn't that smart? How can I change my behavior that will achieve the desired result? Instead of blaming someone for not responding to my emails, it's on me to discover a better communication method. I mean, put a bow on it, man. Like that's, I think that's a really good way to put it and add that salt and pepper that with a little bit of, well, I, you know, maybe this will never happen. And I think you got yourself a stew. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) It is, it isn't, well, well, I mean, I, I do like what he's saying in that there was, was it this show that we discussed, uh, or was it just an article that I read where it, it it said never in your email, never say to somebody, let me know if I can help or let me know I can help. I'm just trying to find this. There, There was, they were anti that they were saying, don't, don't close your email with that. Please let me know if I can be of any further assistance. Uh, here it is. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a, that's, it's, it, it sounds like this noise. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's so, it's one of those perfunctory ways that people who send a lot of emails will often close with something like, you know, please let, and I, I do it all the time. Like if a sponsor says, Hey, we didn't get the download numbers and the ad cuts for this. And I'll say, okay, here's the download numbers and the ad cuts. Let me know if you need anything else. And yeah, I, I probably don't have to say that, but if, if you're actually trying to be helpful, there are better ways to phrase that. Yes. I, I think, and again, this is the, the former project manager, uh, and large animal veterinarian in me, which is, <laughs> Hey, let me offer something to you. Like say like, oh, in that case, it could be something as simple as, would it be helpful for me to just always send this to you on the third of every month? Or is there another date that would be better? Offer something specific. And I think that, I mean, I know from hard won experience that that's very true with scheduling things. Sure. We've, we've talked about this back in our, what was it? Uh, what was it called? What was the thing? The golden, send somebody the golden a doodle? doodle? Doodle. 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 Tongue, tongle. Doodle me. Doodle me. Tongle that. Tongue, tongle that. You, uh, yeah, diary that. Um, it's very helpful to, this is a very old trick, but worth repeating, which is if you're trying to schedule something with somebody and you think that they actually want to or will agree to a meeting, a call, a whatever, uh, my first suggestion, send them, and this is, this, I think this goes against the conventional wisdom. I'll, I'll go back to the conventional wisdom in a minute. But my, my feeling is like somebody says, um, hey, will you be on my podcast? When is good? Uh, what I, or, or now I might say to somebody else, do you want to be on my podcast? I will actually suggest a certain time. Sometimes I'll say something like something true. Like, um, like I, I'm usually, usually doing stuff in the mornings and I'm with my daughter in the afternoon. Is there any chance that you would be available for an hour 
at you know, whatever, T- 2 p.m. Eastern time, give it to them in their time zone so they don't have to do any math. Say, are you available at uh, 2 p.m. on Thursday to talk for an hour? Here's my Skype address. And these are a couple of things I'd like to talk to you about. Now, you know, they might ignore that. They might, uh, it might just get lost in the pile. But if you do that well, you have now given them an opportunity to say yes or no to something at the very least, right? So the one answer, the third answer, I guess, is no, like they just don't respond. But they could write back and say, yeah, you know what? Actually, that would be perfect. Or, hey, part two then uh, is, hey, I could do that, but how could you do it one instead of two? You've taken the entire universe of potential times and brought it down to this one little thing. And they can just say yes or no or suggest something else. And and the thing is, if they if they if you keep writing to them with specific things and they keep either not responding or responding with generalities, that's a good sign that it's probably not going to happen and you either need to give it up or you need to escalate. And that's going to be a theme of some of these responses to our listeners Mm -hmm. is that you I mean, there are sure there's a continuum of other things that could be. But I'm just here to tell you, yelling at people rarely fixes it. Bugging people past the point when a grown up would know to let it go. That doesn't tend to be a good thing. Um, but if you assume on good faith that that person is actually interested and this is your only means of communication, I don't know what else you do. Get a magic wand. I mean, you, but being specific, if you want to help somebody, we had a death in our family a few weeks ago and uh, a big death and, uh, a couple of people at school, uh, who were very sweet said, are you around at four tomorrow? I want to drop off some food. And I was like, Oh God, you don't need to do that. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. But, but they did. They just wanted to drop off food. They didn't say, oh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, I'm so sorry for your loss. Let me know if I can do anything. But you know what's super nice? Just say to somebody, I'm going to drop off some food. That If you really want to help, that's the way to do it. If that person really, really, really doesn't want the food, they will tell you they don't want the food. But everybody wants food. And everybody likes being comforted at a time when they're feeling feeling sad about something that happened. Do, do you see the distinction I'm trying to make? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. And, you know, of course... I think our friend John Roderick would have a different point of view about this. He thinks kindness can be an act of aggression, that it, that it can pie, be a way. thing. Well, yeah. And that whole like, I mean, I, I've gotten this from wonderful people where like people will send me things and say, can you give this to John? And it's like, oh, yeah, I'll put it with all the other things I'm going to give to John. It's like, I don't really have a place to put things to send to John. Like I, I, I want to help you with that kindness, but at the same time, it's kind of like, I, I'm not, I'm not a storage locker. <laughs> no. And I understand that too. And, and you bring up something that you you know, you mentioning that reminded me that somehow I think people think of you as sort of the, the gate, the gateway to John in a lot of ways. And they think of me as the gateway to you in a lot of ways. And sure. I used to, I, I still get a lot of the time, but I used to be quite a lot. People would email me and say, listen, could you just, could you just like, tell Merlin this, or could you, could you send my email to Merlin? But with a good heart. They want to give you something. They want to be, you know, they want to tell you. They're they're legitimately trying to be nice. Yeah. They're not, they're not creeping. They, they, they've done something nice or they want to tell you something and they feel like if they were to just send it to you that you wouldn't receive it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there were times when people sent me like physical things, paintings, drawings, other things like that. Um, and and they would say like, you know, here I I th- this is for Merlin, and now I they didn't send it like and just here's a self addressed stamped envelope you can send it back to me if you can't you know it was just assumed that well great now I, you know what no problem I'll go to the post office later today I'll put this into a box 
I'll pay for, you know, take my time to do that and pay for postage to ship this thing to Merlin, who, by the way, I'm at the time or in Orlando, Florida. I'm going to send it to him in California. Just, but, just but we talk. We talk every nice. week, so it we're in proximity. The way that they know us, and I, I, I'm not saying this to be unkind at all, but I, I've been in the, I've been in the same position. They have, you have no way of knowing when you're listening to people. Like we we talk to each other for two hours a week. Yeah, and and sometimes in between. But you know, we all we go off on our do our own thing. So it's it's hard to know with those kinds of things. But um, sometimes what I'll do if if somebody asks for like an introduction or something, which I don't love doing. Yeah, I never. I've done this in the past and regretted it. I never just give somebody a person's email or phone number or something like that. I'll frequently just say, if it's something I think is a good connection, I'll forward that email from the originating person to the person of interest and say, hey, this is a this is actually, you, you, there's no way you'll know this podcast or whatever, but like this person's really cool. I can vouch for them. This would be a nice thing for you to do. So, I mean, and you don't feel like you have to, but if you wanted to, it's it's a good thing. It would take an hour. So, I mean, maybe I'm, contributing to the problem there but i think what i'm doing what i what i what i'd like to think that i'm doing well there is not sending every piece of mail that i get to that person and saying this is for you like Ugh, like don't do that but uh, in the in the occasional case where I, I can vouch for somebody i will i just don't like doing it often and i don't like people sort of expecting it um it's that whole kind of linkedin thing you know it's just yeah. it's it's so odd um like but, I love, like I, I always felt really guilty about it because they had taken the time to usually make. I know, something. I know. And then, and I know, you know what? Like, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't go to the post office for my own crap. Yeah. You know, let alone like I'm going to take out like a day and drive 30 minutes to the closest post office and then wait in line and package this thing up and spend money to send it to them. Like, it's nice that you drew him a picture, but. I think we can all agree that whatever you have, you should just send it to John Syracuse. <laughs> he likes one, two, stuff, three, doesn't he? One, two, three, this street, Anytown, USA. Um, <laughs> yeah, he sent him toasters and stuff. I, I played the toaster episode for my uh, family the other day. It's a good one. He just, he just wants to put four pieces of sandwich-sized bread in there and have it toast in a reasonable amount That's of time. Not, why not, is that too much to ask? And now they're so big, they got the bump. <laughs> Uh, so thank you to listener Greg who says try rethinking if you're having a communications problem reframe it as I haven't led people to now I I think there is a way to to Darth Vader that up and go like like how do I like trick this person into responding to me I'm not saying do that but if if, if it is something you have to do for your work I think that's a really good way to look at it and then we got some more more specific things for people that I thought were really good could do a couple more yeah go for it this is listener Jonathan who is new at his job and he's having trouble getting responses from people about projects that need a go, no go decision. He says, I don't know how to proceed when I'm, uh, when I've sent an email and I'm not getting the simple response of yes, go ahead or no, let's not do that. It's a bummer to wonder whether projects I've put a lot of work uh, into are lost in a haystack of emails in my manager's inbox. I think that's a good and important point to make. I spend a lot of time waiting to move forward feeling like I'm, uh, I'm being used incorrectly I think this communication breakdown is likely symptomatic of issues with the procedure my company follows to approve new projects. And so further down, I'm new here and I don't know whether it would be appropriate to share these thoughts with someone. Do you have any advice? And I, I think I do. That I think what he's describing there is nearly canonical. Don't you think? It's a very mm-hmm. common response. Mm-hmm. I, I work, you know, most of my work is for this person. They need to know what I'm doing. They need to approve this at certain points. 
and it gets mired for reasons that are unclear to me. And I, I can't just bug my boss all the time. That's going to get me in trouble. Right. Well, and, okay. No, go on, go on. No, 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 please. So continue. Well, no, I was just going to say, I, I think he, um, I think, I think there's this phrase here. Uh, I put a lot of work into lost in a haystack of emails in my manager's inbox. Uh, this is a theme you'll hear a couple times here, which is this sounds like this may need to be escalated beyond wondering if your email went through. I think there's, I think the, one of my, one of my favorite uh, douchebag uh, self-help things to say is like, are, are you really, are you seeing the cause of a problem? Are you seeing the symptom of a problem? Are you seeing the results of a problem? And in this instance, I think what you're seeing here are the results of the problem. So in other words, this person is not responding to your emails in a way that is um, useful and timely for you because why? And, and, you know, you start, that's so simple, right? But instead of saying like, oh, does this person hate me? Like, let's really walk through this. Let's do a little bit of Occam's razor. I'll bet you dimes to donuts that person's really, really busy and has a lot of other people that are also sending them emails. And on top of it all, I, I would guess there is probably something that that person's boss expects from them that is their focus of attention right now. And like all of us, they have to drop some bits on the way to getting the important thing accomplished. That it's probably not a personal thing at all. Um, and they probably would like to get to more things, but they can't. So my advice to Jonathan, I think it is okay to talk to other people. If you, even though you're new at that position, I would find people who are your, your colleagues your work proximity companions, go find somebody who's in a similar role to you. And you don't have to be perfidious about this, you, but you could say, hey, look, you know, I'm new here. I'm an idiot. I, I am not getting, I'm not being effective at getting responses from, from boss lady or boss man. Do you get that? And how do you deal with it? Am I doing something? Is there is something you could advise me on that I should be doing differently? Is there some secret knock that I don't know about that I should be following? Are there certain times of day? And really just ask the person, do you get this? And should I be doing something differently? And I, I like I say, I don't think that's disloyal. I think you are, I mean, teams have to talk to each other, especially, you know, and if you discover that it's something that's more than one person, well, that's really good to know. We'll get to that in a second. But see what that person says. I mean, I bet there's a pretty good chance they're going to say something along the lines of, yeah, that happens sometimes because it's October. And this is the time of year when XYZ Project always comes around and, and gobbles an improbable amount of this person's attention. This happened to my wife last month where she got, she got saddled with a project that should have had three people working on it for six months. And she had it to herself for about five weeks. And the amount of work that she did on her own was staggering. But that's just how it happens sometimes. And in that case, you know, I'll bet you there's probably a pretty good chance there's stuff she was not as dogged about um, taking care of as she would at a time when, when she could have some repose. So I would talk to a person and then maybe talk to another person, not to undermine your boss, but to ask that. And the truth is, <clears throat> I mean, if you assume that everybody has a good heart, <clears throat> which is a pretty good, you know, good place to start anyway, that sounds like something where you then might want to go to your boss and say, hey, I, I feel like we feel like we're falling short here because we're not able to, you know, sh what should we be doing differently? Is there is there another way that we should be, should we be dealing with somebody who's your proxy for this particular part of the project? Do we? Do we need less authority for these kinds of things? Because we know you want this done. If you don't want this done, we should know that. Do you follow? 
I know that's really obvious advice, but doesn't that doesn't that seem like kind of what you have to do? It does. And I think every case is different, though. You know, there isn't. And that's when whenever I remember our friend Gil Fronstall was talking one time. And for some reason, you describing this scenario, uh, you know, when he said he would say that when he's driving somewhere and he's he's early, he's left in plenty of time. Everybody around him seems like wonderful, friendly people. They seem like these gentle creatures and full of love and kindness. But when he's late to get somewhere, everybody's a jerk and he just wants to, you know, Get the heck yeah, out of there! Like and get everybody's around. in your way. Everyone's in your way, and it. Um, I mean, it, it. So much of it is is that all, our own internal perspective on that too, and you know how we can, how how we can kind of tailor our own interpretation of those things. Do we take it personally or not? There was, I think, I've told you this story, uh, maybe offline, but about ten, maybe twelve years ago, I was working and a uh, very sort of corporate place. And the hard palpitations? No, no. Um, a friend of mine, uh, and he, we worked together, and we were working on a project. And there was a woman who was talking to us and asking us uh, different things. And we were sharing with her like what we had built and how it was going to work, etc. And she made a comment. Sure, uh, she had a question about something, and, and my friend who had designed this whole thing, and it was this huge stack in Java, and it was just really tedious. And he said, he said, um, you know, he said, like the way that that works is very. He's like, it's complicated, and it's not even that interesting. But the end result is it generates an XML file and does this and the other thing. And she got incredibly upset at him, and and for some reason interpreted his. Not not unwillingness, but his lack of desire to try and explain all these details of what actually goes on behind the scenes to her. He she interpreted how, how that she, as how did she interpret it? condescending to her. Okay, and oh. she she got very upset. I said, "Don't condescend to me. Never condescend to me. I can understand anything you guys can. You know, very very upset." And she took it very personally. And later, she she did wind up apologizing, but it was it just it took him. He was just the nicest the nicest man in the whole world. He's super, super friendly. He teach, you know, he would like teach math for free on the weekends to kids that needed tutoring. You know I mean? Like he was wow. just like the nicest man. He taught every, he was like taught 10 different subjects for volunteering. He was so nice. He just, there was no reason to explain this because it was boring and she really took it the wrong way. And I feel like there's an aspect of that to what you're describing. If I'm, if I'm hearing you right in that, some of it is on you, the person who's who's responding, and some of it is is understanding what the other person's intent was. Yes, it's it's very difficult to unwind that. Um, I think it, this is probably might be the same thing, but I think related is that we all have our hangups. Like everybody has their own hangups, and there's that word I use a lot. Uh, we all feel vulnerable in different ways, yeah. maybe in ways that we're not happy about or that we're uncomfortable with. So, I mean. She might, who knows, I mean, let's, let me avoid making this a gender thing and instead say, well, like if you feel like you've had this thing brewing where you feel underappreciated at work, which is, I think, is something that a lot of people feel from time to time sure. is that I'm not acknowledged for what I do. I see other people getting stuff that I feel like I should get, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it could just be something as simple as like, man, I follow the letter of the law and all these things. And I end up getting these lame projects, uh, or you know, however that is. But some, if you think that way for long enough, you start to really internalize that, and that starts to feel like who you are rather than how you feel. And 
I, I know that is very true for me. Look back to your example of, of Gil Fransdahl trying to get somewhere. Um, you know, when you're, when you're stuck in traffic, everybody is in your way, you know, and you can start to feel like you're seeing patterns of being thwarted in that case. Whether or not those exist, and I'm pretty sure they probably don't. Um, but, but, but if you're in a vulnerable state, if you're in the wrong state of mind and you have a self-image that is vulnerable to that kind of feeling, almost anything can feel like damage, like, like a, like a, a plus five hit from something that should have been a glancing blow. Um, it, it's, and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or a broken person. I think everybody does that. It's just, it's like you used to say, do you believe your own thoughts? I think a lot of us uh, believe our thoughts more than almost anything else in the world. Right. Um, see also the election, but I, that I, I I'm going to repeat that again. Um, it's when what you think becomes who you are. Right. And, uh, and I also should credit uh, that quote from last week. Uh, is her name Pima, Pima Chodron? Am I saying that right? I think so. I've never heard it pronounced before. Yeah. It's one of those internet names like, uh, she is a she's a Buddhist and she's uh, she's really smart and I've read some of her books. Pima she has two she has two diacriticals in her name. Oh my goodness, Pima Children. I don't. I'm not trying to make fun of her name. I, I honestly don't know. Here's what she said. She said, "You are the sky. Everything else, it's just the weather," which is my favorite corny saying of all time, probably. But like, it's not unusual at all to really feel like the weather. And, and so you're going to come up with your own reasons why things are the way they are. You're not going to be rational. You're not going to apply Occam's razor. You're going to be looking for, even if it's something you hate or something you are terrified of, you're going to start looking for instances of something that make a feeling seem more real, even if it's a terrible, terrible feeling. And so, you know, that's where it does really help to talk to somebody else, not just because you want to talk about your feelings, but because you might go, am I crazy here? Like, it feels like this is a, a thing that I'm struggling with. And I, is this something that you have had here? Is this unique to me? And you can, you know, you can choose any number of ways to go with that. I would not go straight to HR and complain about the person. I think that I would start by assuming that everybody you work with has a good heart and wants this to work better. And then be extremely open to the idea that I don't want to say that you're part of the problem, but that everybody there has a role in this not going flawlessly. It may never get perfect, but you might be able to make it better. Right. And a really, a really good manager will be open to that and be willing to mentor you on that and be willing to help reframe the question in a way. Then they might just say to you, hey, look, I'm really stressed out. You might, they might say like, you know, my dad's really sick right now right. and I'm just having a really hard time keeping up. This is not you. But, you know, be open to a solution. Here's, here's one. Whatever, when you're struggling on a team or with any group of people, starting with two people, be open to the idea that it's maybe not your fault and it's maybe not their fault. Stop looking for fault and start looking for a way to make it better and be willing to do 51% of the work to make it better. That, that's a good way to fix a problem. Um, and, you know, I would not sit on it forever. In, in the case of, of listener Jonathan, I would be open to, I would go, go talk about that with somebody today if you can. Just, just you know, get a gauge on it. I have one more. We could do one more. Or you could tell me about something that you like. Right, let me tell you. Or, 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 or we could do something else. I'm open. I'm willing to do 51% of the work here. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a little sick still? No, because I'm vulnerable. <laughs> well, let me tell you about something. I just want you to like me. I, I do. I do. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. And I like Smile. Smile. Makers of Text Expander. Oh, yeah. 
And I just added my my uh, a new text expander just the other day, which is the little it's it's not an emoji, which I'm still I use emojis sometimes, but it's the thing that that predates emojis where they're these sort of Japanese style emoji smileys, if you will. Yeah, I know what you mean. And there's one that developers are very fond of, which is uh, the one of of the little the little guy flipping the 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 table over in frustration. Oh, nice. That's a good one. And uh, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to be really clever. I'm going to put that into my text expander with semicolon flip. And now I can, you know, when whenever I'm working on a on a bug on Fireside and I'm talking to someone, I can semicolon flip, and they'll they'll right away they'll understand. Oh, the frustration of fix, fixing bugs and things like that. And so I, uh, I, I said I, that, I that I did that for colon colon clap to make uh, the little oh, clap sign. Nice. Well, I I I pasted. I I used the semicolon flip in a Slack, and almost instantly the person replied with their own version, same style of everything of them re repositioning and and fixing a table that had been flipped. I love that. You can have Slackbot do that for you. Uh, I love it. And this was a human, <laughs> not the Slackbot doing it. But uh, it just those little things like that, you know, we always talk about how you can use Text Expander to like eliminate having to deal with like boilerplate responses in emails or how it'll catch if you type your phone number a few times, it'll say, no, there's a shortcut for that. Uh, formatting dates, misspelling stuff that you consistently type wrong, setting up little hotkeys, all the repetitive stuff that's so tedious and boring to do in Text Expander, it handles that for you and makes all of these things just just go away. And uh, and you know here here it is. They're offering it free for thirty days. Text Expander, you can uh, you can get these uh, subscriptions. It, it, it ties everything together. Your Mac, your iPad, your iPhone, even even those on Windows. Yes. That's true. Wow. And it uh, text expander text expander runs uh, perfectly fine on Sierra. It requires Yosemite, but it work, works great on Sierra. It runs well on iOS 10. It requires iOS 9. And uh, you know what it does, Merlin? It helps you save the most precious of commodities, your time. Oh, God, I love my time. So I they have, made can, a special. Can I give you some of mine? Yeah, we haven't, we haven't done some of mine in a while. I want to hear some of yours, and I want people to go to smilesoftware.com/b2w, and uh, you'll get more information, and you get a fifty percent discount on your first year of of Text Expander Lifehacker subscription offer ends November fifteenth. So get on it. And Merlin, what what are what are yours? Because I usually I like to be ready for this, and I take notes during this part. So I've got a little, uh, I've got a little TextMate window open now to type into. Well, I, I know it's it's been a while since we've done these, and I, I realize that the, these nice people are paying for an ad for their wonderful app that's for productivity. So yeah, I'll give you some. I have lots that I've talked about in the past for productivity. Um, I, I mean, there's the super is super the implication user. that flip that the little table flip emoji guy is not adding to my productivity, dude. That's going to save you so much. time. I mean, how you know how long it is to type that? But one one character at a time. Forget about it. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way. I'm not going to live like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, there are some, like, there's one that I do, gosh, isn't it funny how you only have this like in your hands, you don't know how to do it. There's one where I would always find myself wanting to make, I don't know what it's called in Unicode, but the right facing arrow. And so I don't know how to make that. And I got sick of looking it up. So I made it and I said, when I type an M dash and a greater than symbol, 
bloop, it turns into a right-facing arrow. Mm-hmm. And I use that sometimes like in an introduction. They'll say, meet this person, da 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 But I actually use that a lot, and I, I don't know, that's just a little picadillo. I really I really like that. Um, tons I use a lot. I use lots of date ones. I use my emails. Uh, it, for example, I used to, when, for some reason, I would always type back to work, and the W and the O in work would be capitalized. That's as simple as saying, from now on, when I type that, bloop, change it to the correct back to work. I have lots that are very, very silly that just make me happy. Um, let's see. <laughs> MIF must investigate further when I want to do a Rorschach joke. B R O B R O B B B B is bro, 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 bro. If I'm making a Hawkeye joke. <laughs> uh, let's see. T M Y K. The more, you know, uh, ironic air quotes. I'm pretty proud of this one. Uh, this takes the clipboard. If I type I A Q, it takes whatever is in the clipboard and puts it inside of two sets of uh, quotations, or what I have come to call the ironic air quote. Uh, my URLs creating a button, uh, personae, which I'm always misspelling. It does it with the correct uh, ligature. Throw, when I type throw me, it types in throw me the idol, no time to argue. Throw me idol, I'll throw you the whip. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Because it, it came up often enough. The great Alfred Molina. Um, and then lots of these are just little short things. DDM, daddy, daughter, morning, DDT, daddy, daughter, time. It's like when I'm filling something in, like on the calendar, you will find these. I mean, mine are silly because I am silly, but you will find so many uses for this. And this is not even, this is not even getting into the stuff that you're going to do with forms. That stuff's going to change your life. But even stuff like date math, being able to automatically insert dates, say six months from now, bloop. And that makes an exact stamp. Um, please get this app and please use it. Um, it will, it will help you so very much in life. And it'll save you many, many hours of time. Does this still do the thing where it tells you how much time it saved you? Yeah, yeah it totally does that. Where is that? I haven't looked in the preferences in a while. This is a set it and forget it app for me. I mean, I just, I just set this thing up and let it go. You know, we, we talk about this too a lot. And I, I, in, as I am uh, very close to now getting a new Mac, I think about it again. What are the applications that you can't live without? What are the few things that you absolutely yep. have to have on your computer when you go and get a new one or, or the things that you realize suddenly, oh my gosh, how do I do, how does this poor person exist without this application on their computer when you go to sit down at your mom's computer or your friend's house or whatever? And, and text, uh, text expander for me is, is right up there at the very, very top. It's something I use so much. It's become muscle memory. I don't, you know, I don't, because these things, it doesn't make sense to type them over and over. Let text expander do it for you. So it's, uh, it's invaluable for me. Gotta have please, it. Please go to, uh, give me the URL again. Smilesoftware.com slash B as in brothers, two is in the number W as in women. And you will get a 50% discount on your first year of Text Expander Life Hacker subscription, which is the thing that integrates everything and makes it all, makes it makes everyone in the world happy. And uh, that offer ends November 15th. Mm. Disco. Thanks, Smile. Bok, bok. Long time, long time sponsor of and friend of the show. Friend of the show. Oh, and I, I just got, I got a, uh, an email I wanted to share with you. It just came in mm. just a minute ago. Sock it to me. Uh, Subject line is, well, you know what? That, that kind of gives away the punchline of the yeah. email. So I'll keep, I'll, hi, I'll obscure that. Hi, Dan, Anthony here. I've written over 200 essays on entrepreneurship, design, and technology for publications such as Benzinga, B2B wow. Marketing, Huffington Post, among others. And then he has a He, he wrote for Benzinga? That's what he says. Wow. And then he says, um, 
Uh, then he says, I'd love to share, this is, the, this is the kicker, I'd love to share my insights with 5x5 five five readers as well. Hmm. Oh, nice. Would you be the best person to pitch ideas to? Kind regards, Anthony. And now I will reveal the subject line, writing for 5x5. Five five. <laughs> so Anthony, if, if you're interested, I'm sure you're listening right, or reading this. Uh, if you're reading this now, Anthony, uh, yes, I would love for you to to do some more writing for Five by Five. Lord knows we don't do enough of it, so we should do more. We should have more writing. More and writing. you know what, though, you re- you really nailed it, though, because this goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago, which is the the due diligence. If you're not getting the response that you want, like, it's that that guy might get frustrated because he he's written for Bazinga. <laughs> he's written like Benzinga. Ben Benzinga. Ben B E N. Is that a thing? Benzinga. Yeah, no, I, that's the that's the Jewish version of that TV show with the geeks. Ben Benzinga. Benzinga is real. Benzinga. <laughs> look at Benzinga. this. Ben Benzinga. Benzinga about. Oh, actionable Benz, trading ideas. Benzinga is a dynamic and innovative financial media outlet that empowers investors with high quality in any way. Wow. Look at that. I thought right, it was well, like. Thank you to like, Benzinga. <laughs> I thought it was the Jewish Benzinga also. Mazel tov. <laughs> I know. What's that show called? The the whole Earth Theory. Chaim. What's it called? Yeah, what's that called? What's that show? The Green Lantern guy. It's called Green Lantern. He's got the ring. He's got everything. He shoots oh, the chain right. out of it. Whatever. And you got the guy who looks like a rhino. Why would you make a car? This explain this to me. Why would you use your ring to make a car and then get in the car and drive the car? You can fly. This makes no sense to me. Why would Plastic <laughs> Man turn himself into a boat? If you could just stretch out over the wall, you see, I do, I do. There's uh, that show I was talking about, that Michelin Web show that I was telling you about. There's a the, one of the very first sketches in the very first ep- episode is like it's like a fake. It looks like an '80s TV show, and it's called Angel Summoner and BMX Kid, and it's this it's this team that fights crime together. And one of them is a guy who can summon unlimited number of angels from heaven, and the other one is a guy who rides a BMX bicycle. <laughs> Right. And the BMX guy goes, okay, we got to get the girl out. I'm going to pop a really wicked wheelie and go through the window and land and then kick some dirt into the bad guy's face. And then you run in and get the girl. And he goes, yes, yes, we, we could do that. Or I could summon thousands of angels. To do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of when I think about turning your ring into a car. It's like, man, I guess it's more fun to draw, you know? Maybe. Well, like you think about how they portray vision, you know, like, um, I like the portrayal of Vision in the Marvel movies, but I mean, he's a, he's a pretty powerful cat. Super, super, super powerful. Even way underpowered in the movie, I would say. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's a real baller in the comics. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, listener Brian, who is a uh, frequent listener and an emailer. Hello, listener Brian. Um, listener Brian says, I have a podcast I do where I interview writers about writing. Very low-key, very much a hobby, a labor of love. Um, I just like doing it. it. gives me a chance to talk to people. It goes on to say, basically, to summarize that he'll often contact people, probably dinglings like me. He'll contact people who say they're interested in doing it. He follows up with them. They go dark. He does not hear back. Following on here. And now I feel stuck because I have no desire to be a pestering guy. I used to be a reporter. And when it was my job, I had no problem doing that. But this isn't my job. So what does listener Brian do? I think this is a very common thing. We face this. You face this. Of course. It's one of the most vexing uh, crazy making enterprises is talking to somebody who does actually like, unless you're like a crazy person, you talk to somebody who does seem genuinely interested in doing something. 
and I'm not, I'm not talking about the kind of vocation where you pretend that you're interested in people for a living. Like you talk to a person, they're like, they're like maybe even a pal and you contact them about it. They say they would be interested. And then when you try to schedule it, they go dark or you're just not hearing back, et cetera. That's a known issue. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. And it's very, I'm, I'm highlighting this one because hi, listen to Brian. Also, I think it's very difficult to figure out what you're doing wrong you start to feel a little bit nuts because this person said they're interested in doing that. Why, why am I not hearing back from them? And like, for example, let's say it's somebody who's like a pseudo celebrity who's like agreed to do it. You're like, Oh my God. Or somebody that you really admire. Let's put it that way. You really want to do this thing. Let's be honest. It's, it's not just the kind of mercantile aspect of, of the podcast about writing. <laughs> it's that you really want this to happen. This would make you so happy. It would, let's be honest, man, shit, this is a good get. Yeah. Like it would be awesome to have this person on the show you know, and then you're, you're not hearing back from them. So what do you do? How do you not become a pest? How do you not become a jerk? How do you not become the person that is going to wind up putting them off completely? Right. My advice is, again, probably against the, what seems like the obvious advice or feels like the conventional wisdom. My advice is to scale way the F up. Scale up. This is something I learned, I want to say from Janice Fraser. Um, when she would plan things, so back in this, job where I, I helped her with some things. One of the things you would have to do is schedule lots of people to do a similar kind of thing. And she had a background in publishing. So she introduced me to a very, a very cool, somewhat obvious maybe, but it's obvious once you know about it, but it's not obvious if you're not using it. And that is a publishing style workflow. So one of the first things Janice would do that I found incredibly useful is to fire up, in that case, Excel. Today, I would use Google Sheets. And so listen to Brian or anybody else who's suffering from this. The answer to your question is, it's probably not going to happen. You may not hear from that person. But you need a way to not feel nuts in this process. You could do this with a full-on database. I think you could get away with this in just a spreadsheet. And so here's what I would do. You basically figure out whatever your uh, item is. In this case, the item is a guest appearance. So each row is going to be about what is the goal. It is to contact that person, persuade them to do your show, and then to get that show accomplished. But three, why do I say scale up? Don't think onesie twosie about contacting one to three people. Think about contacting more people and then having a place where you don't feel crazy to track the results. And I'll come back to the original question in a sec, but do you follow me? You yeah. go in and you say, you know, Mary Smith, and maybe in the next column, you might say something like, you could have a note there about what the person, what they do, what they do who they are, a URL. And then think, really think about how this process works. And so the way that I would do this in the past is I would have a column, a date column that was, well, you can have one column that's just like, what's the status of this is one way to do it. That way you have a way to sort, you follow. So instead of thinking about three guests, I'm not saying contact a hundred people, but imagine you've got a hundred people. How would you manage this process with a hundred people? This is a classic kind of John Syracuse mind bender question. We talked about this on the last rectives about how sometimes you think about like the Monty Hall problem and like, should you change the door you picked after you find out the first door is not the one right, you want? Right, right. Do people it, know what that reference is anymore? Do you think? This blew, this blew my mind. It used to be on, make, on Let's Make a Deal, you get picked out of the audience and there'd be three doors, door number one, door number two, and door number three. And I, forgive me if I mangle this, but this was a great example of the change in thinking that would be useful here. And so the idea is there's three doors and you pick a door. So let's say you pick door number two. And then Monty Hall reveals what's behind one of the doors. And let's say he opens up door number three and there's a goat. So now <laughs> he says, do you want to stick with door number two or do you want to change to door number one? And 
in our lizard brain, it seems really, really smart to stay with door number two. But go and read about the money hall problem. We'll put it in show notes. But it it actually makes a lot more sense to change to door number one at that point, which doesn't seem obvious at all, unless you think of it this way. What if there were a thousand doors and you picked door number one? He reveals door number 37 and there's a goat. Should you or should you not change your pick? Well, obviously, doesn't it make sense? Think of it more like lottery tickets. If you just found out your lottery ticket may or may not be a win, doesn't it make sense to pick? Because he's just taken one off the board. Do, do, do you follow what I'm saying here? Right, but I think the, the, the fear is that, well, I have something that's better. And, and it hasn't been proven wrong yet. It hasn't been proven wrong yet. But yeah, why? But actually, but the, statistically, you do way better to change your door. Right. And so that's kind of what I'm saying here, I guess, is it requires that kind of, and, and, and I guess the, the reason I'm telling you that, that anecdote, which I think is very interesting, uh, also, I'll put that in show notes, rectives and Monty Hall problem. The reason I mentioned here is you have to change your scale. And to, to understand this problem and solve this problem, you have to go scale up from however many you're contacting now to getting to something that you may not need this system, but this system will make you feel less nuts. And so in this instance, let's say you have a goal of, I want this many episodes this quarter, this year, whatever. I need this many guests. What if I started doing that now? Well, suddenly your thinking may start to change because you realize, first of all, I don't need 20 guests this week, right? I need, let's say, 45 guests this next over the next 12 months. Well, already, have you noticed something here? Now you're thinking differently because now you're saying, oh, it's okay if I don't get this person for next week's episode. It would be really cool if I got them for, you know, like a March episode. Or like an August episode, that changes your thinking. Because now you're not in, in the crush to say, I have to contact five people in order to get one person for the next show. Because you could say to somebody, you know, when is convenient for you? Is it better if we do this after the holidays, et cetera? So you get that spreadsheet. So you say, here's the person. You say, you could, I, I, you know, have something like a status and have four, you know, three, four, five statuses that we'll come back to in a second. And then have columns for, for dates that things happened, right? So you could say, here's the five people that I want to contact. And all those people get a date of today for contacted. You could even then say, and this may take care of itself. You may not need this if you get responses and everything's copacetic. But I'm trying to say, like, if you really ride this and use this spreadsheet to run your life, to introduce a little bit of automation in a canny way, now you're getting into a different situation. Now, you know, even if you have, even if 20% of the people on that list aren't responding, if 50% of the people on, on that list aren't responding, you have a lot more people to work with now and a much longer time frame to work with them in. So then you can have a column for when was this scheduled, when was this recorded, and that gives you a bird's eye view into thinking about the next, you know, N weeks or months of whatever your publication is, because you change it into a publication model and start thinking of them as contributors rather than royalty. I like that. Doesn't that seem smart? That seems real smart. Change your door. Yeah. Change your door. Change your door. Change your door, sir. Yeah. Oh, that's a good reference. I haven't seen that Change in forever. Your door. Google Sheets, act like a magazine editor is what I wrote down here. So I think, I hope that's useful, listener Brian. Thank you very much for listening to our program and thank you for uh, for sharing that with us. I got to look up the money hall problem. Uh, I think there's more. a lot of people oh. who are listening to this, Merlin, who are saying, you know yes. what? No, I don't I don't think that it is better to change your door. You got to keep keep what you've got. You've got something. He's trying to make me change the door because he knows the thing behind the door I have is better. That's why he's trying to make me change the door. Did Monty Hall know what was behind the door? Yes. Every time? Yes. Monty Hall knew which one had the goat. But did he know the other two? 
Oh yeah, no, he knows it all. There's a phrase that, oh shoot, what was the phrase Syracuse used for this? But um, the host is omniscient or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I'll put that in show notes. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, and again, you got to go read this and, you know, do your own due diligence. But like, I, I, when you put that as a three door problem, it's a very different thing from thinking of a 1000 door problem. And it starts to make a lot more sense. It's sort of like, and the other thing we talked about on the show, another one, you know, the, the birthday party, what's it called? The birthday party. Sure, I know the birthday party. Yeah. That Nick Cave band from Australia birthday, the birthday problem. This is a really crazy one. This is another, this is, this is one of the original turns outs. In probability theory, the birthday problem or birthday paradox concerns the probability that in a set of N randomly chosen people, some pair of them will have the same birthday. The probability reaches 100% when the number of people reaches 367, since there are only 366 birthdays including. However, 99.9% probability of two people having the same birthday, you know how many people it takes? 70. Really? With 70 people, there's a 99.9% chance two people have the same birthday. And you know what it takes for 50%? One out of two chance two people will have the same birthday, 23 people. That is my not daughter's, a lot of people. My daughter's classroom, there is a 50% chance two people have the same birthday. Wow. But that's not how your brain thinks about it. You don't, because like, and if, but if you draw this as a chart, like if you, you do one of those like um, network diagrams, like, so you draw a point and a point and you draw a line. This is person one, this is person two, and you draw a line between them. You go, they have this, this one connection. Do that with three people. And you're drawing this like, you know, triangle thing. And then all the connections in between them. Do that with 10 people and look at how many lines you got. There's a lot of connections there. Birthday problem, I'll put it in notes. Yeah. This may be anticlimactic because I do not have a good answer to this, but um, listener Matt wrote us a really nice email um, about how the show was helping him at a time when um, his child was being born. Yes. I don't even know what to say to this, Dan. Now that we are together, as a hell of a thing. Do you have any advice, listener Matt says, do you have any advice for first-time dads in the first few weeks? Mm. I understand this might not fit into the show or anything, so feel free to ignore. I will not ignore it, Matt. I will discuss it. I do not have a great answer. You don't have advice? Um, you know, I think part of the advice, it's, uh, boy, I love, am I contradictory? I think I am. Do I contradict myself? I contain multitudes. I mean, there is not a solution. It's hard it's you but if you think it's hard boy ask your lady friend Whew. Mm. or whoever the primary uh, partner caretaker person is um because you're just going to be so tired and so wrecked but i mean the only thing i can think of is like just realize that it, it it will not be there forever there will be a day when you miss it a little bit i know that doesn't help when you're like ridiculously like tired and just like not making was that the hardest part for you the sleep that was definitely part of it because you don't you know, like the other day I was eating lunch uh, at uh, at a, a restaurant sitting outside and there was a couple of, uh, few, a group of uh, millennial people who were sitting there. They were in there probably, I don't know, early mid-20s and, you know, they were talking loud and you couldn't help overhearing what they were saying. And one of the women there says, oh, I am like a zombie if I get less than seven hours of sleep. Don't even get me started. Right. And I thought to myself, well... <laughs> definitely never have kids then because you know yeah. it, it, those first few weeks are the toughest if you're lucky you get a baby that that sleeps i was unlucky and neither of mine did until they were much much older but there there are people i understand who after the first few weeks the baby settles down and sleeps longer and eventually the baby sleeps through the night i think my kids were both several years old before we could 
really count on them sleeping through the night. So I don't want to say like, oh, it gets easier. It it doesn't necessarily get easier for a while. It changes. Yeah. But, I mean, but you have to abandon your idea. I mean, it's obviously it's not for everybody, but like you have to abandon your idea of having the same kind of life that you had. I mean, yeah. hopefully you, under, you understood that going in. But, you know, I, I the so, I mean, one part is I would say for me, our family, the the sleep part, it does make you feel like you've lost your mind. You really, you've never been this, unless you've been a Paris Island or something where mm-hmm. somebody systematically sleep deprived you. Um, but I think the other, the part that makes it extra complicated is, you know, you, after about three days of this, you feel like you kind of can't go on. Yeah. You can't function. And, you know, it's, it's, but you can kind of like, it's become kind of like a funny running joke in our family. Cause my daughter, um, when I would try to walk her to sleep, I couldn't sit down. I couldn't even lean on anything. She would start shrieking even if I leaned. And now it's a funny joke and we, we reenact it to much, <laughs> much applause. Um, but I think the part that makes it complicated is, is how chaotic it is. Where uh, one thing I remember in a, in a class they taught us, um, the getting ready to have a baby class, they said the thing that's going to drive you crazy is your child will eventually sleep, but you don't know when it's going to be and right. you don't know how long it's going to be. Right. It could be less than five minutes or it could be 10 hours and you have no way to know until the child wakes up. And I think that the introduction of that particular chaos is what makes it feel extra hard because right at the moment when you're like, you're most exhausted, neither of you has slept and then finally you, you, may, you may get to sleep and then you wake up and, and it really feels like Guantanamo at that point. So I guess I would just say, you know, be prepared that, you know, you'll this within, within, you know, 14 weeks, seven weeks gets better. 14 weeks, it gets better. It probably mostly, and I can't speak for everybody. Everybody's got their own things, but just understand that it's going to be chaos and it's going to, but it will go away. And then I, this is not going to help, but I want to offer this anyway. There are going to be so many times when you feel like you are not only incapable of doing this, not only like unable to do this, but you're probably the worst person who has ever tried to do this and you will surely fail and terrible things will happen. That might be true. But but honestly, I have to tell you, just if it's any help at all, remember that every single person feels that. There are whole industries out there that want to try and make it seem like that's a solvable problem and it's not. I've been doing it for nine years as of this week right. and it's never gotten any easier. I still feel like I'm doing it wrong. But you, I think just realizing that you're showing up and doing as well as you can in that minute, like instead of trying to push that feeling away as something that you'll hopefully, where you'll get back to sleeping in on Saturdays, except that like that's kind of your new thing now. Unless you can get, some people aren't like that. Some people are not neurotic like I am. But like that's probably going to be a new feeling. And instead of thinking of it as an alien virus in your body, think of it as a new way that you're kind of just going to be dealing with stuff. And, and don't feel a bad feeling about the feeling. Understanding that that's a feeling you're going to feel and everybody has felt it. You are not alone. You are not unique. And you'll, you'll probably do better than you think. Yeah. That's, see, that was something a friend of mine said is, you know, I, before the baby was born, the first one, I was talking to him and I said, you know, like, how are you going to do? Like, I don't feel prepared for this. I don't know how to do it. And he's like, you know what? You just do it and it feels natural and you're fine. And, that, yeah. and, and, and like, if you think about it, you're, if you think about it really at all, you're overthinking it. You know, there's, but you can't not, you can't not think of it. I know, but you have to, you have to just be calm and just do all the things that you feel are natural. You can't really prepare for it. Just go through it and enjoy it. And, you know, people always say this, but it's so true is that like really, really try as hard as you can to enjoy it because those, that time period, especially is just gone so fast, so fast. Yeah. 
Yep. 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 But I mean, that's, that's not, that doesn't even make a sense as words for yeah. somebody who's at that stage. I know. Where you're just like, oh God, please make this go away. I just I'm wanted really to get enough coffee. Who, I, my advice for I him know. would be get a, get a Keurig because then mm-hmm. you can make one coffee when you need it without having to make a whole pot and you waste the whole pot because your wife is sleeping when you're awake and, and vice versa. Keurig. That's also, my you gotta advice. wait. You gotta wait to carbonate your uh, soda stream bottles. You yep. gotta coordinate all of these things. Everything. Turn your key, sir. <sighs> we helped a lot of people today, Dan. For sure. Um, anything that we should be working on? Somebody asked us about that book we mentioned five years ago that I still haven't read. No, I still haven't read it. What am I reading right now? I'm re- I'm, I'm trying to get through that uh, Daniel Kahneman book, Thinking Fast and Slow. I'm finally returning to that. I'm reading my daughter uh, lots of James Thurber uh, short stories that are very funny. James Thurber, very, very funny writer. And what else are we reading? We're reading Babysitter's Club. That's very hot right now. She's reading that. It's cool. um, have you read Wonder? No. Are you aware of Wonder? No. I don't want to spoil it. Look for a book called Wonder. It's a very special book. Wonder book. Mm. And then there's number one. It was just Wonder. Wonder by Palacio. R.J. Palacio. I see that. R.J. Mm-hmm. Wonder. Wonder. Highly recommended. What, what is this? It's a, it's a, it's a book about a kid. Okay. It's in Spanish. A kid, a kid who's got a, a what? I found no. an English. I found an English one. Soon oh, to okay, be a major bueno. motion picture. That's true. That's true. Yeah. This is one of those books that comes along every once in a while. It's kind of special. Um, good interview with the author on Beep Boop, Beep Boop, some Slate show I listen to. I listen to too many Slate shows. It's an affliction. Um, anything else for this week, Dan? No. No, I, I hope you feel so. better. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, get your, I feel Get okay. your lights and get the fa- ham- family all healed. You got to do all that. Yeah, the whole thing. Mm, we helped a lot of people this week. Yeah. Yeah. Every week. Mont- Monty, Monty Hall. All right, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.